This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today I'm joined by Jared. Just Jared and Jake it's so far today. Just Jared and Jake. If if that's the case, then it's just going to be the J&J show today. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to bring tons of great movie insight tonight. we got a few different things for you. Um, our fe- I mean, let's face it, there will be quite a bit of a gap without Erica here, without <sighs> her like horror knowledge and the horror movies she's been watching and you know with our main review being bodies 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 exactly so. our featured film tonight being bodies bodies. she's which, definitely missed as well as lexi i mean i'll yes. speak on your better behalf <laughs> exactly exactly i mean that's the thing i, I we've, we've talked about this in the past that i think the unifying factor with a lot of our movie tastes is the horror genre is, yeah. which is kind of crazy because because it's it's kind of niche to a certain extent <laughs> and then you've just got erica that just super like that that's basically all the types of movies. Shout out Erica, I yeah. love it. I love it's almost October, so I'm getting right into it, um, preparing my viewing schedule a little bit today. So I think that's we'll just be go great. ahead and say next month's review will be Halloween ends. I'm sure she'll be thrilled with that. So. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, there's a few different good ones coming out, but I think that's probably the big. The big yeah. one. Uh, or we can do Hocus Pocus 2. <laughs> I, I'd be lying if I said my family would not be partaking in that viewing once it drops on Disney+. Plus. You know what? When you have these fun, like, spooky Halloween movies, you got to throw in ones that are a little bit less serious every once in a while. Like, for example, this year, uh, Paranorman and Frankenweenie are both in my viewing calendar. Oh, I've seen those. I thoroughly enjoy them. My kids love Frankenweenie. They also love The Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Tim Burton just doing his thing. Really like that. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it sets up the season. You can't just have all doom and gloom horror every once in a while. Yeah. Um, There's got to be some like hope sprinkled with some comedy. <laughs> I know. And, and the thing is, is we're giving you a little bit of a preview uh, this month, because three of the four films that we're going to be talking about tonight all fall somewhat into the horror genre. I didn't even put on the fact that I'm catching up with the Hotel Transylvania series right now with my oh kids, my so we could just be covering so many more bases, but I know time is limited. You know what? Maybe we'll do a <laughs> bunch of small ones on the front end next month, and then we'll yes. just knock out a main big, just like a, a big one. I packed Halloween episode. Oh, I love it. That sounds like... That, that sounds great to me. Um, but, so we're going to start with the first one, which uh, Erica briefly brought up last week. Um, but we're going to start with uh, Black Phone. Now, when we when she talked about it before, I hadn't gotten a chance to see it. Jared was not a part of our mm. last episode. So we wanted to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, Jared, did you want to start with, with Black Phone? Yeah, this was one that, you know... Wanted to catch up with. I hemmed and hawed about seeing it in theaters. Ultimately, I decided to just kind of wait till you know, hit at home. And man, I, you know, I put it on. I started watching it. the The trouble with that home viewing is anything can interrupt you. Mm-hmm. You know, you could easily get pulled, distracted, whatever. Um, the luxury of a theater is that you know you're kind of like committed to just sitting there and watching it. Black Phone. I sat there and just watched the whole thing straight through it really pulled me in and i you know there there are issues that i'm sure anybody could take with it uh especially kind of with its mechanics and kind of as the story unfolds like in any horror movie you're like thinking in your mind you're like okay why aren't you doing this Mm -hmm. or why don't you do this just a little bit differently or you know a lot of what ifs 
However, you know, this is uh, Scott Derrickson returning to the big screen for the first time since helming, you know, Marvel's mighty Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. which was a big leap for him. Getting back to his horror roots, you know, with Sinister, Mm -hmm. that kind of like uh, put him and co-writer C. Robert Cargill on the screen. So, you know, when it was announced he was first going to be doing Doctor Strange 2, it's like, okay, that makes sense. You know, there was success there. Marvel likes to kind of keep you know, their directors in, in their stables if they can, like Peyton Reed going on and doing, like, the Ant-Man movies and such. And or, like, others. John Watts doing the Spider-Man exactly. movies who also kind of came from a horror background right. as well. Yeah. Or even Sam Raimi coming yeah. from I know. And know. so, the, and obviously, as we all know, the story goes, uh, Derrickson leaves Doctor Strange 2, creative differences, as mm-hmm. always. And maybe the old it was Edgar a, Wright move. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. Gosh, there's the biggest one. <laughs> Speaking if that, of Ant-Man. I always want to. Uh, there's got to be a cut somewhere of the Edgar Wright cut well, of Ant-Man. I think you can find it. I'm sure he has animatics of like his sequences and things like that. But and there are it, scenes in that movie that you can tell are oh, Edgar Wright. But anyway, influence. sorry, continue. No, no, no that's uh, that, and that's kind of like where I'm at, like with this thinking. It's like maybe this was like a bit of a win-win because Sam Raimi takes over the reins of Doctor Strange too, so we kind of get. Sam Raimi coming back to direct mm-hmm. for the first time in years and having, you know, uh, a kick with it. He's definitely having fun pulling out some of his old shtick, which I'll never tire of. And we get Scott Derrickson going back to horror and on a much smaller scale. Not that I think it suits him better and he should stick with that. Like, you know, Doctor Strange was a huge success and that's fine. It wasn't necessarily my jam, but what he did does here with Black Phone just uh, was so deftly handled, like capturing the tone and the atmosphere of like like this 70s period and very unapologetic with it too. Yes. Like there's language, um, there's dynamics in relationships with parents that, you know, you, I mean, just are not not accepted today exactly. in today's world. Yep. But this puts it out there. It's like this is how it was back then. And even the premise behind the movie, as far as, you know, what kids just getting snatched off the streets, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that was a big paranoia back then, uh, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s. It never really goes away, especially as a parent now. It's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, as much as we monitor our kids these days, this kind of thing still happens. Yeah, and you don't – yeah, like you're saying, you don't really see that much in portrayals of that 70s, 80s feel. I feel like a lot of times they kind of glorify it. Like the, like I know that there's the there's it remake, the it remake, yeah. and and Stranger, Stranger Things to a certain extent. I mean, obviously both of those have have darker elements to them, mm-hmm. um, but they definitely it's the kids on bikes, Spielbergian style yeah. of filmmaking. But you look at like this, or like um, I guess did you ever see Summer of '84? I know I have not. Yeah, from the directors of. Uh, Turbo Kid, which is a, like an 80s mm. glorification type thing, also very violent, but kind of shows that darker edge of like, hey, these were milk carton kids essentially, yeah. and like a lot of really bad stuff was going on that was – I mean we can look back and, and uh, kind of have rose-colored glasses with a lot of that stuff, but sometimes you got to portray what's actually going on. And I totally agree with you with, with Black Phone. Um, it was it, – it really grabbed kind of – that aesthetic really mm-hmm. well and i mean the thing that i really enjoyed about it is just kind of the the process of the kid trying different things because you talked about like hey why aren't you doing this thing right but i i thought that was a fun element oh to yeah be like, like during the story i was totally invested mm-hmm. in it as it was progressing yeah and um I, I didn't have a ton of issues with it there were some kind of like 
plot holy type of things. But I mean, when you're coming yeah. with, with horror movies, you're bound to have certain things. But I think when you have someone like Scott Derrickson, who, I mean, Emily Rose was a breakout hit and even deliver me, deliver us from evil, deliver me from I, whichever one, the Eric Bana movie that he did is also oh, yeah. a pretty watchable right. movie, yeah. even though it doesn't hold up to the same extent that these ones. And you can definitely tell, especially with um, some of the like, um, the 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 old camera style and obviously yes. um ethan hawk kind of brings back that sinister kind of aesthetic <laughs> that, that they had with Quote that unquote, which, sinister yes sinister <laughs> both in tone and in just the way that the movie was um but no i i thoroughly enjoyed black phone um but but yeah did you have anything else yeah you well as you mentioned you know that spielberg vibe of kids on a bike this movie has it, and it's even got, like, the soundtrack going when mm-hmm. I think of, like, one of the earlier scenes with one of the kids that's going to get grabbed by the uh, aptly named Grabber. Grabber. Uh, you know, he's riding his bike. It's kind of Id- idyllic, and the song playing is Free Ride. Mm-hmm. But what Scott Derrickson, like, does there, and he does a number of times early on in the movie, he just does simple, basic film language that is so effective. You know, he's not in the Marvel machine with Doctor Strange trying to, like, ape, like, Inception-style, like, camera moves and, like, world-building and Mm -hmm. things like that. He's keeping it simple and super effective. So, like, in that scene, yeah, it's a kid on a bike having a great day. He's coming off a win of a Little League game. He's on top of the world. But, man, the way that scene and several others, like, conclude just with a simple Mm fade-out, it's just, like, as the viewer, I'm sitting there just going, ah, shoot. Yeah, exactly. And it just sets up, like, that atmosphere of dread that runs throughout the whole movie just, you know, so well that, uh, yeah, I was all in. And, yeah, small discrepancies aside as, as far as, like, the whole, like, what would I do in a horror movie, I, I, I really don't care. It didn't affect me that much. I would definitely watch this one again. I think, ultimately, if you if you like horror movies, it's a uh, an interesting story that's going to keep you coming back, um, well-directed. Well acted for the yeah. most part. There's some shaky child performances, I would say. Yep. But I mean, nothing that's going to be overly distracting, in my opinion. Um, you get Deputy So and So back from Sinister, also yeah. <laughs> that that actor who I will just always think of as Deputy So and So. But yep. now apparently he's a Scott Derrickson regular, regular, yeah, which is fine. I I, I like him, so that's good with Ethan me. Ethan Hawke is back for him too. Yep, so. which is great. As long as as those two are those guys are all together i'm i'll i'll be there um but that's on did you watch that on peacock or uh, did I, you... I, I redboxed it red you know, box. physical okay. media it uh and we were talking off mic about this if it's still around next year to rent i'll be so so happy but it feels like it's trending in the uh, in yeah, that different no, direction wrong I, way yes i will always be a physical media guy but We'll we'll watch movies however we can. Yep. Um, well, and that, I guess one. Sorry, one last note. Yeah. This was a Blumhouse production, and I really appreciate, you know, Blumhouse just for like knowing how to make horror movies like they used to. He often is pegged, or at least the productions as like single location, and you could say this has kind of a single location, but it still has a world outside of there that you go to plenty of other locations, mm-hmm. and you get a feel for the world, or at least this town that you're in. That it never felt like. They were truly like constrained by the budget that mm-hmm. they couldn't get out of this like one spot. Exactly. Yep. I completely agree. Um, it felt like a like a, a town movie as mm. opposed to a single location movie, which is great. Well, that's Black Phone. Yeah, catch it on. I think it's still on Peacock or, yeah, or Redbox. I, yeah, Redbox. Obviously, you can rent it through a number of streaming sites exactly. if you wish. Yeah. Um, so our next film that we're going to talk about is um, 
orphan first kill. This is the long-awaited, maybe, question mark? All right, full confession. I am very well aware of orphan. I even know the twist of orphan. I have never seen it. So can you actually, like, sell me on orphan first kill or go back and start with the first orphan movie? Yeah, so the first orphan movie um, is is basically about a young girl who gets who is from Estonia who gets adopted by a family in America and she kind of has this period of time where she's kind of getting acclimated to America and the family and there's something kind of weird or sinister about her um spoiler for Orphan uh, I'm just going to spoil it for you. It's 13 um, years it's, later. It's, yeah. I it's it's been spoiled for me and I still haven't seen it so. So yeah, it's um, you find out that this this orphan is actually she looks like a ten year old girl, but she's actually a thirty year old woman, and she has a form of dwarfism. Um, Every the, adoptive parent's nightmare. Yes, the 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 interesting things about it is kind of the the paranoia of the family members, kind of like the mother trying to convince or like. The the if you've ever seen like it's not quite as dramatic as like we need to talk about Kevin, where there's kind of this uh, posturing between like the dynamic between the mother and the daughter and the father and the daughter. There's also some kind of like weird like relationship subplot thing going on where um, Esther has kind of a crush on the father, but mm. she th- but he thinks that she's a ten year old girl. <laughs> so it, it's it's definitely one that's kind of gone down as as somewhat of a classic, um, kind of a standalone movie that no one I think really thought was going to come and have a sequel, especially yeah. one thirteen years later. This um, is the world we live in. It is, and it kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't know much about it up until. I think maybe a couple months ago. Yeah, it was. I, I trying to. It, it, so many movies are just like kind of popping up. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, they're making this. Yeah, or there's now a sequel to this. Exactly. And I will also say that Orphan is held up because um, the 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 lead. Yeah, the main actress uh, Isabel on. Furman is really good in it. And then the two parents are played by Vera Farmiga and Peter uh, Sarsgaard, and yes. they're both really, really good. So those type of performances really elevate a movie that has a has a, a story that you haven't really seen before. So that's Orphan. So Orphan First Kill is is a prequel, which when you hear a prequel for a movie like this, it's kind of hard to imagine because obviously um, Isabel Furman is – 13 years older than she was. She, I think, is 25 now, so she couldn't play um, somebody of that age. But what I will say is that was one of the best things about the movie is how they portray her. She is not digitally de-aged. Mm. Um, she, they just use makeup on her, and they use forced perspective, or perspective, and they shoot her from behind with a different actress a lot. Okay. And so because of that, you never Love really that. fall into the, oh, this looks fake right. to me or anything like that. They do a really good job of that. I will say that some of the other um, effects in it, yeah, some of the blood mm. effects are a little bit spotty from here. Um, but let me do a little quick recap of, or just a, a summary of what it's about. Um, after orchestrating a brilliant escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility, Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. So uh, this one, the mother and father are Julia Stiles, plays the mother. Oh, that's awesome. Yep, and the father is played by uh, Rosif Sutherland, which is 
Gil or is uh, Kiefer Sutherland's brother? I was un- all right. I was actually just gonna make a joke that he was his long lost brother, but apparently he actually is. I think he's a half brother. Um, but he he is. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything before. Obviously, Kiefer and Donald are in so many things. Yeah. Um, I actually, have to give a lot of credit to Kiefer Sutherland's mom for how good Kiefer looks compared to this guy. Sorry, <laughs> Rosef. Well, um, so what I will say is the picture that he has on Wikipedia is from like 2009 or something okay. like that. So he looks pretty different in this movie. All right, fair um, But uh, something – so this is not directed by the same director as the first one, and I was a little bit worried because the track record of the previous uh, – uh, so William – or sorry, of the new director is uh, – it's William Brent Bell who directed um, The Devil Inside – um, mm. Stay Alive. Shout out my friend Krista who loves that movie. I, I'm even sorry, though it's wait, not. A... Stay Alive. Are we talking about like the early aughts video game horror yes, movie? Yes, the Frankie, Frankie Muniz. Muniz. <laughs> yes, that movie. And then he also directed The Boy and Brahms The Boy 2. With Katie Holmes. Yes. So not the greatest track record. Of... Well, the, the director of The First Orphan, I mean, had a bit of an auspicious start. I mean, he had the House of Wax remake, which weirdly has gathered some esteem since its initial debut yeah yeah, i think that movie is kind of turned into a cult classic movie i mean i actually like it when they get to that town Mm -hmm. there's parts of it that i like uh i I remember actually going in theaters to see it i honestly think that people are starting to lean more into paris hilton a little bit (laughs) and like seeing her in that movie um but that's neither here nor there um the thing about this one is i actually thoroughly enjoyed this this movie okay. it's way better than i ever expected it to be better than the first <sighs> i'm not gonna say it i don't think it's better than the first and i don't know if this is necessarily a spoiler or anything but just because of the notoriety of the first movie with its twist and may, not maybe notoriety is not the best word does this one have anything uh, similar as far as like does it have a twist yes okay all right so say no more. so That's this interesting. this movie has what i am a sucker for which is an an early twist. It has oh. an hour of a twist about an hour into the film. And this is about a hundred minutes that completely shifts the dynamic of the entire film. Okay. Um, they did a really, really good job of keeping it um, interesting. Mm. Um, they, they de- So based on that description that I, that I gave you, they pull from a few other real life stories, um, which how about this? I will tell you what what to look out for. Well, you know what? No, I'm not going to tell you because it's too much of a, of a spoiler. There's yeah. a there's a, a really good documentary that that it reminded me of, and then also a, a real life um, just like news story. Maybe off mic, I'll throw out my uh, guess as to the documentary. Yes, um, right. we that uh, we can have all of our listeners either go and watch the movie and see for themselves, mm. or they can speculate and see what they think it is. Um, but th- there's there's some kind of character stuff going on that I was like very weirded out by, where I was like, what is go- like why are they acting like this? This is so like not how someone would act given the cir- the circumstance. And then that twist hits, mm. and it completely explains why the characters are acting the way they are. Now this film is not like a classic by any means, but if are you, you putting the first one in terms of a classic? I would I say mean, you that mentioned it- that a little bit earlier. I would say that it, it has a reputation as being a, a good horror movie yeah. um, for the era. Like, I think 
in in the in the grand scheme of kind of I think we were still kind of in that torture porn era. It's a little yeah. bit late for that because yeah, I think that was kind of early too. early to mid aughts as opposed to two thousand nine. But a movie that has like a good twist with it that seems like a relatively original premise I think kind of holds up and like I said earlier the performances are really good in that first one which I think propels it um performances are also good in this um from pretty much everybody it's a pretty small cast um you can kind of tell where the movie is going to go once the twist happens Hmm. but it definitely um held up and I'm I'm glad that I watched it that I don't I don't know if I'll be rushing to watch it again anytime soon but I'm thoroughly um, impressed with a, a 13-year-old, like, a sequel that nobody really was clamoring <laughs> for 13 years. It's kind of reminded yeah. me of when Strangers had a sequel. Yeah, Pray Like, so night. much later, and it's just like, it's okay, I guess we're going to make a sequel to a movie that's, like, over 10 years old. And it's sometimes it's the, the, the case of, like, can there actually be a sequel to this? Can they actually do it again? And... I don't know when things like that happen. Weirdly, the one that I'm thinking of most recently is like Borat Two. Yeah, uh, which it's like, and I know, and that ties into ties our into main our review later, yep. with uh, Maria uh, Bakalova. Bakalova. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people enjoy it. I mean, if 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 people see the that there's going to be a base for it, then they're going to make it. I mean, I I don't know what the I can look up what the. Um, budget was for this film but i can't imagine it is too expensive um yeah it's not saying on the wikipedia page but it's it's like eight actors mm. i mean i don't know what the going rate for julia styles is these days but i was happy when she popped up in hustlers a couple of years ago you know yeah. just to see her again uh i mean she's back. a great she's very good she's very nostalgic though also for me which also early be, aughts yes yes could be clouding some of my judgment with yeah, and late I mean, 90s like, like 10 things i hate about oh, you so good i mean she's in silver linings playbook which was a good movie uh you know she's she was kind of like always the other woman in the born series with uh matt damon in those first three that's right i, I totally forgot about that mm. um but but yeah uh I don't have a ton to say without going into too much sure. for spoilers, so I'll just leave that's it at that. If you're Paramount interested, Plus? that's Paramount Plus. Okay. So if you have Paramount, um, it's it's free, quote unquote, <laughs> free on Paramount Plus, um, or else, I mean, obviously, as we've mentioned before, you can you can rent it wherever. Um, but but yeah, if if you're interested, check it out. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed with it. Um, so we're gonna go to our next film, which uh, is not in the horror genre. No, and I don't have too much it's to horrific say about to, it. To some people, probably. Yes. And that's uh, Jackass 4.5. Now, I talked about Jackass 4 in a previous episode. Jackass but forever. Forever. Sorry. Forever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But as Jared has told me, it's a completely different beast. Um, so tell us about uh, 4.5. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Jackass film series. And with each movie that's come out, I've always gone to see them in theaters because I don't think anything uh, it can quite replicate, not a, just the theater experience, but actually seeing what these guys put themselves through. And obviously with four, what these guys and gals put themselves through exactly. uh, is quite the same without an audience to experience it with. Now, when the first Jackass movie came out, that uh, was in the height of like 
DVDs and physical media and putting out special editions mm-hmm. and unrated cuts. So uh, in in turn, there would always be like a Jackass 1.5, a Jackass 2.5. And I never yeah. really caught up with any of those just thinking like, okay, yeah, it's probably just some more of the, the stunts gone further. and things. Or like the things that weren't quite good enough to make right. it in the first cut. So. Yeah, so I never really like bothered with any of them thinking like, ah, no, the theatrical, that, that was like the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Kareem could be taken so many different ways in that <laughs> in regard. This series, yeah. But just uh, the other the other night, I was just looking for something that like enjoyable that I didn't have to think about too much. And on Netflix, they had Jackass four point five, so I I queued it up. And here's here's what I'll have to say about this, just to kind of put it in perspective. As much as we're talking about horror movies on this episode, and our main review is a horror movie, I don't think. Any of those movies had me watching more peripherally than Jackass 4.5. I mean, it's just like what they put in this movie. It, it's also a little bit of a behind the scenes doc. They have a lot of sit down interviews with the guys, and uh, which I don't think Rachel. they really do. No, not in, in the, the actual movie. They well, don't. I don't think they do that. Do they do that much in the other point five? See, and I haven't caught up with those. I, I think guess they, yeah, you said yeah. You, you haven't said that, but so I, I, don't I couldn't remember speak to it. that. Yeah. But uh, so they they talk a lot about just, you know, the camaraderie, coming back and doing this, doing it in the pandemic. But, yeah, they do. They show a lot of these other pranks and stunts that just, you know, didn't make it. And the thing is, is like, you know, uh, when they're considering the theatrical release, apparently there is a line with how far they'll go. 4.5 shows you what's on the other side of that line. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, there is just, I mean, yeah, outrageous is an understatement. Just, wow. And the full frontal male nudity, <laughs> well, there's a lot in forever as it is. Yes. They double down on it there. There's full frontal. <laughs> there's full backle. There's full, I mean, you get up close and personal with all these guys' bodies um, to the They're definitely the not shy guys. No, they're not. They're not. Um, so in the 4.5 do they showcase more of the original guys or is it kind of a mix? Cause it felt like obviously since these guys are getting a lot older, that's kind of necessitated bringing in this kind of young blood so that they're not putting right. quite as much their bodies through quite as much as they were. <laughs> and so I didn't know if the first one was more of the new people that maybe got cut or, or if it's kind of a mix. No, it's, it's a good mix. It's a healthy mix of like the young and the new doing it all together. I mean, there's like this whole gag with like a, a gigantic elephant gun where you've got like Preston Lacey, Zach Holmes, a new guy mm-hmm. and Wee man all dressed up as elephants and Johnny Knoxville, um, Eric Andre and another like with this ridiculously oversized gun that is just shooting a giant black tennis ball at them at ridiculous speeds. And you know, them just getting pelted with that. There's another bit where uh, it's called down the clown where it's, a, again, a mix of the old and the new. They're all dressed up as clowns, and they bring in a pro tennis star, and she is just drilling them left and right with her serves and, like, hitting them, you know, in the spots you would expect. So I wonder if that one might have gotten cut because there is a separate one where they're all dressed like mimes. Right. So I don't know if they were, like, we're clowns and mimes. Yeah, and then maybe we're doing too much. And the then same. there's also the Danger Aaron series of stuff test cup the test cup which is also him getting hit 
in the cup with various amounts of balls yeah. from different. They show a little bit more of that one too. Oh, is there um, another? Yeah, there's oh there's a bowling sequence with a, a female professional bowler. I can imagine that. See, that was that was one that I was surprised they didn't do because I think in the original one it's it's a uh, like a heavyweight boxer, a softball player, hockey player. a hockey player. And uh, po- do they do the, the pogo, pogo stick? stick? And weirdly, that's like the worst one. The pogo stick is the worst one. Yeah. Just when you think about that, like, it's one thing to get hit and then be able to kind of like push back and like have room to like. So, like, when he gets hit with all the other ones, he's just like standing. Yeah. And, and so he can kind of like uh, absorb some of the blow. Right. Where. When he gets hit with the pogo stick, he has to lay on the ground. So the pogo stick is just going straight yeah. without any. I don't know. That one was my least favorite one. It's it's or, like the old and I mean, when like they explain like you know if an elephant like steps on your foot, um, granted you don't want that to happen, but its weight is distributed out amongst a much larger surface area. Whereas if a woman with a high heel steps on your foot, mm-hmm. like the the weight is focused on that small point. It's kind of yeah. same like, like with a grown man. Coming down on you with a pogo stick, oh and goodness. just the tip of that is gonna hit you. That yeah, that was <laughs> of of all of the disgusting things that happened. The the pogo stick was a thing that made me recoil. I think the yeah. most out of everything. Um, but would would you recommend? Yeah, I, I certainly would. Like if you love the Jackass movies, which I do, and I'm glad they're like kind of wholeheartedly embraced by most people, even critics. Yeah. Like they know what it is, and they applaud these guys, and they go. You know, for uh, lack of a better term, fig- figuratively and literally, they go balls out with all of it. Yes. And I will say they've got a finale set piece in 4.5 that's not in the theatrical. That's really good. It's with Dark Shark, who is Jasper's dad. And they, you know, intro him again as, you know, a former convict, mm-hmm. felon, gangbanger who is softened in his old age. And they put this guy through the ringer with his fear of flying. And the setup for all of that is 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 – really good and excruciating for him. So the the two things I was going to say about that is one one of my biggest issue not issues with Jackass Forever is that I felt like it didn't really wrap up hmm. as uh like I feel like in the previous ones the the last one is always something so big and grandiose where in the in I don't even remember what the one is in Forever. No, I, I couldn't it, tell it just you feels either. like another one of the one of the pranks. If or, they would have ended with the bear attack, like with that with danger, <laughs> yes. yeah. That that would have been a better way to go. So it's it's good to hear that they that they kind of have a different they one. Do. That, and it's 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 worthy. Good. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up is that Jackass Forever has an eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> and a ninety one percent audience score. So I think that just reinforces that like I think everyone just respects yeah. what these guys do, even as like sophomoric as it is. Yes. I mean you you see in this one and a little bit in the other ones just the the celebrities that have looked up to these guys, yeah. like I mean, with Eric Andre Things come in full it. circle. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the previous ones, like Spike Jones obviously plays a big role. In He's a lot been of behind them. the scenes since the inception of this series. Yeah, which is crazy to think that he would be tied to this <laughs> because of his his directorial efforts film yeah. are all like you know if you artsy. go back to his like music video uh days that's fair he's got like and there's like, like the some sabotage music video that's my favorite of all time yeah like is, across is a, all genres of music and across all music videos that's still the top for that's me. a good marriage of both of those worlds i think because it's got that like 
you can tell that a real craftsperson had to make it because yeah. of like the aesthetic. I keep on saying aesthetic uh, of that of that music video where you get that old school cop feel mm-hmm. and it's shot really well, but it's also very silly and playful. And it's gorilla style. And it's too. gorilla style exactly. Um, but shout out Spike Jones. Yep. But but yeah, I I really like Jackass Forever, so I'm excited to watch Jackass uh, 4.5. Yep. Um, but yeah, is that also on Paramount? It's, no, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Weirdly, That's weird. Four has left Netflix, but they still have Four Point Five. Well, Four was on. Was it? I thought it was on Paramount. Uh, it was. Or was it on both of it them? It was on. Okay. Like it hit Netflix. Netflix got, I think, a several of the Jackass movies. Okay. Midsummer, but it was a short amount of time. I feel like I'm just gonna need to do um, a. A marathon of all of them again. I don't know if I can handle it because there's. I don't, know if you can, I don't know if a marathon's a great idea because you got to eat somewhere in there, and especially going into four point five. My goodness, you don't want to have anything in your stomach at that point. Maybe I'll do like one a night or something like go. that, where I'm like I can kind of absorb it all, or just the one, and then kind of let my body reset for yeah. the next one. Um, well, that's Jackass four point five. Um, <laughs> Check it out. Uh, if it, it seems like everyone likes those movies. Um, yep. If you're not into it, I think you know what to expect. Uh, so don't watch it. But yeah. I did not expect to be talking about Jackass 4.5. I figured my other movie would have been Bullet Train. Yeah, but. which we did. We did uh, talk about. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't end up seeing it. Uh, um, I. I just ran out of time, and so when we decided to do our featured film, I was like, well, I'm just going to watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies instead. Good call. Um, Which, uh, from talking to people, seems like it was the better choice. Um, But I think that's a good transition into our featured film tonight, which is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. This is the new A24 uh, horror comedy. Um, So the the general synopsis is when a a group of rich 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion – a party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing, fake friends, and one party gone very, very wrong. That's the IMDb synopsis. I think Jake, you and Lexi hold a lot of hurricane parties. Have any yeah. of those gone awry? You know what? We try to not play murder games when we when we have our hurricane parties. Mm. So I think until we incorporate that, I think we'll be smooth sailing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I. I was like, is this a thing? Are hurricane parties a thing? <laughs> Should we be having tornado parties you know, in the Midwest? You know what? I feel like a lot of times um, we we have get-togethers I, I knew growing up and then today, even to this day, that like basement parties were always a thing that we would do. So why not? Yeah. I mean, everyone says <laughs> go down to your basement when you're, having, yeah. when you're having a tornado. Just get all your friends. You know what? If you're all together, then you know that you're all safe together. Be in the basement, watch some films, maybe watch the Jackass films. I don't know. That'll take. There you go. Um, But yeah, this this film is uh, directed by is it Helena Rain? Yeah, Helena Rain. Um, Which this is her second feature film. Yes, uh, I looked her. I I did not recognize her her first film. Uh, I think it's Instinct, and she's got another short, like a short, yeah, uh, called For the Birds. But people, and you know, just depends on how deep your film knowledge goes she was actually an actress for a long time yeah when i looked her up it was mainly acting credits yeah, yeah. uh o- overseas she's european um and you know she's she's done some work with uh paul verhoven i think uh the biggest movie she did with him was black book that was a 
well-acclaimed mm-hmm. film back then. The only movie I've seen her in, although I don't necessarily remember her or could peg her, was Valkyrie. Th- that's Cruise. what I was yeah. going to say, too. Yeah, yeah Valkyrie. Um, but which, now she yeah. she says she is done with acting. She is a director, and I think we're all the better for it. Yeah. Not to say she shouldn't act or there's anything wrong with her acting, but my goodness. Yeah, I mean, for for a mainstream directorial debut, I think this really shows a lot of style and really good storytelling. I, I looked up the director, Sarah DeLapp. DeLapp also someone that I didn't recognize when you the, click uh, on co- her. The screenwriter? The screen, yeah. yeah. When you click on her, it actually doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. It directs you to her, <laughs> the play that she wrote, which is called The Wolves. Um, I was mm-hmm. unfamiliar with it. Um, but when you look at somebody who is who is a, a pretty much a brand new director and hasn't written a screenwriter that's never written for the screen, um, wow, like this is quite the thing to, to come out with. Um, yep. I would say... I, I was trying. I was writing down the cast, and I was like, "Would you call Amanda Steinberg or Stenberg and Maria Bakalova the leads of this?" Yeah, it's certainly an ensemble. Yes, and as the audience, we are coming in through the eyes of B, played by Maria uh, Bakalova. Uh, I keep Bakalova. Say, I keep yeah. wanting to say Bakalova. <laughs> I yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Bakalova. I'm pretty sure you're um, right because I am terrible with. You know what? I'm terrible with English names as well. Just so. in general. But yes. The thing was, I was really happy to see her because I was like, this seems like a person that was going to be in Borat and then nothing else. <laughs> I like, Because I, I know she I'm pretty sure. an Oscar nom for that movie too. Well, it was an Oscar or a Golden Globe. Uh, well, she she got nominated for okay. Supporting Actress. Well, I mean, she, I mean, she's very good in, <laughs> so in, in Borat. So it is great so. to see her here. And yeah, as kind of like the outsider to this group, that is how we, the audience, are entering yeah. This setup, um, but yeah, the I it sounds like we're we're both kind of in agreement that we thoroughly yeah, enjoyed very this. much enjoyed. Um, I wanted to shout out uh, Rachel Sennett. Yes, um, who, I, I've highlighted her. She she she's got all the best lines. Yeah, she is. She just jumps off the screen. And I had uh, briefly talked about last year in my top ten from the previous year, uh, Shiva Baby. Yes. Which yep. she is the lead in, and she plays somewhat of a similar character, way more restrained. I was I was gonna kind of wonder about that because I have not seen Shiva Baby, and knowing her character in this, and just knowing the premise of that movie, I was like, I feel like I kind of know what her performance is. Not to say that's a bad thing, but I yeah, get I get her vibe. She's definitely more like chilled out okay. in in Shiva Baby, in that she. Is in an uncomfortable situation. I mean, I guess this movie is also an uncomfortable thing. But but where she's in a place where she doesn't want to be in Shiva Baby. So she's kind of a lot more quiet and like reserved, but she still is playing that like 20s Gen Z type of like more what you would think. I don't know, like a TikTok person might be like the that generation of just like the way that they talk and and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, but she was a st- she was a standout for me. I also really really liked Lee Pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know Out of the guys. Two, three question mark male characters in this movie. The two and a half or yeah. two and barely any. The thing okay. is, is of the three, all three of those actors are people that I like to a certain extent. Man. Connor O'Malley, why do you even cast Connor O'Malley? He is so good in the things that I've seen him in. He's not in. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly familiar. Connor O'Malley. Get to that in spoilers. Yeah, he is. Um, he's a a, um, 
So he, the things I know him from is he is big on. Um, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Oh my gosh, he's very right. funny in that. Yes. And then he also is on a show um, called Joe Para Talks to You, which is a, an Adult Swim show that's okay. really really good. Um, but he's very funny. He's also married to Aidy Bryant, nice. which is that's awesome. Like a random thing too. Um, but anyway, shout out to Aidy Bryant. She I know. just left SNL. She was. Lexi and I are watching yeah. um, her show, uh, Shrill, Shrill, and it's way more dramatic than I was expecting it to be. But I, haven't, I haven't watched it, but, but I'm just <laughs> glad she has other work going because yes. it's like, let's not lose AD Bryant. Imagine that. Jared and I are derailing. Yeah. We always do this. <laughs> um, but no, Lee Pace, I know guys like this who are kind of older guys yeah, he fits but that type. still want to like – kind of play like they're young but it's like this drifter that just kind of like drifts into like these groups and is like you know i've, I've still got a young energy i may look old mm-hmm. but you know but yet you still get that like he doesn't know some of the things that they're talking about yeah. like they're trying to do like a tiktok dance and he like doesn't know what the moves are mm-hmm. but everyone else seems to know what's going on he's the first one to go to bed like all those little touches that you're like this totally fits in and I also want to shout, do a mild shout out to Pete Davidson. Yeah, I, I I do really wish Erica and Lexi were here just because it's like, not to say like he's a divisive figure. Maybe he is. I don't know. He never has been for me. Just because you know, as I started to see him on SNL, and then he'd pop up in like he'd have like a bit part in like Trainwreck. He'd always make me laugh. Like his shtick or whatever. Yeah, I always. I was always there for. Yeah, I mean, Lexi and I are both big SNL people. Like, we watch every episode. I don't know if that's Man. not something that people it's, do. It's heartwarming to hear that. Um, we we still watch it the week it comes out. Um, and he is not in a lot of episodes just because he's not around right. a lot. Um, but he always is pretty funny overall. I mean, he laughs a lot, which is. Some people really like that. Some people don't really like that. Depends on the era of SNL, too. Exactly. I mean, is this post isn't Jimmy Fallon or pre Jimmy Fallon. I was going to say, this isn't Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands <laughs> just breaking in every single sketch, yep. but still. Um, but, but overall, I thought the performances across the board were really good. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a ton of stuff that I had issues with. I think the biggest thing that's going to weigh this down is that it's, it's going to be dated. Almost immediately. Yeah, so I've heard a lot of comparisons and questions as to, is this, you know, Gen Z's scream? Okay. The and thing- I know I know, we've all got an appreciation mm-hmm. for scream, or at least have seen all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious, like, where you land with that as far as, like, capturing a culture at a moment and the young people at a moment and how they are and interact with, like, kind of movie-specifically horror tropes. Yeah, so I think – I mean, obviously we won't be able to speak to this until yeah, in 10 years we can come back and revisit if Bodies, yeah, Bodies, can't, Bodies still Exactly, holds up. you can't pick something as, like – yeah. If it's going to hold up in terms of not feeling dated. And the thing is, is that, like, really the only thing that feels dated to me in – um, scream is some of the style choices is kind of, are kind of dated, and then obviously there's like the 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 most famous scene potentially is all done on a landline, yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean it could be a cell. I mean in the well, in Scre- starting in Scream Four, they tried to like solve that issue of like you know mobile yeah. phones and being a part of the equation, and and I think that it Scream just does a really good job of of just 
leaning into the horror tropes that it's trying to portray in that it can still relate to people whenever because those horror tropes are just basically ever present in everything you see. It's just fun to see him kind of lean into it where this one isn't as self-aware as scream is, but I think is just, I, I think the thing that saves saves quote unquote in comparison to scream is that I think this movie is, is very funny. Mm-hmm. Like I think out even outside of the references, there's just some really funny things in it. Like the, the two big funny things that, that, that stuck out to me are um, they keep talking about uh, Lee Pace's character is he's a vet is a vet, and it's because he he's a veterinarian. Oh my he's gosh, not that's a such a great he's... reveal! And Rachel Senate, I, I think the back and forth. I think it's is it the Jordan character who her response is like, why why did you think he's a vet? And she's like, he looks like. Have you seen him? He looks like GI like, Joe. You call him GI Joe, and he's like, have you seen him? Yeah, that's it. There there you go. That's yeah. the exchange. And so it's it, it's just really funny. Like that was really funny to me. And then there's this confrontation. There's kind of a pseudo serious part towards the end of the movie. And one of the characters is like, uh, "Face it, you're upper middle class." And again, that's Rachel Senate delivering yes, that. Yes, and she's like, like, "What are you talking nuclear about?" Nuclear like, bomb of your, a. Your parents are <laughs> professors at a university, and one of the gir- and the girl is like, "But it's a public university, not a <laughs> private university." And I just thought that I was. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, my my other highlighted line is from Rachel Senate when she's like pleading with the group like it possibly cannot be her boyfriend Lee Pace because he's a moon libra. Yes, oh my goodness. And that's I don't that's one of those things where I was like that's very of our time, yes. but I think that's something that will still yeah, hold up to a certain I was going to say extent. as far as like astrology and everything that goes back so long yeah, ago. I so mean, that that for sure. And I, you know, I don't want to reduce this movie to just comparing it to Scream or anything like that. It's inevitable. When a movie comes out like this, uh, you know, for myself, I don't know because the thing about Scream is, is like, especially, you know, I've read books about it. I've listened to oral histories on it. And it was a hot script that went through a bit of a interesting troubled production at the start, getting its footing and a studio believing in Wes Craven. Like, why can't you believe in Wes Craven from the get go? Yeah, that's that ridiculous. Point? Anyways. When it came out, it had a weird release date. It was five days before Christmas. And the the, the publications wrote, like, I think it was either Variety or Entertainment Weekly, you know, kind of like, hey, here are the holiday movie releases. Scream, <laughs> D-O-A. They pegged it. Really? And it was a movie that built a word of mouth, and it did over $100 million. So it captured the zeitgeist in the moment when it was released, and nobody really had any faith in it. Or at least the film made, everybody who made the movie and saw it had faith because that's mm-hmm. how it got to where it was. They knew they made something special and great. And so when it came out, it it did. It captured uh, the culture and – Less than in a year later, they had the sequel out. Mm-hmm. But like, so with bodies, 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 it's like uh, we're clearly not going. That's not going to happen. We're obviously in a different day and age. You know, we are still coming out of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yes, Top Gun, Maverick, Spider Man, No Way Home, Minions: The Rise of Gru, and any Marvel movie show that people will come out and go to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Original movies like this, I don't know. Yeah, the the troubling thing with this is that. Lexi and I didn't see it right away, mm. and by the time we went, we were trying to find screenings for it, we ended up having to go to a 10 p.m. screening yeah. because 
there were just nothing to choose from, um, which is unfortunate for a movie that seems to be getting good reviews and seems to have uh, like pretty good support in yeah. comparison. It's not. It's it's an original movie from from unknowns. Right. I I was gonna say you know, Scream had not to say these actors and actresses aren't recognizable they certainly are i mean mm-hmm. yeah you have pete davidson you have these actresses who are creating bodies of work but yeah you know you had creating you had bodies, Cox, bodies, yeah, bodies, 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 bodies bodies of work um <laughs> sorry but <boo. laughs> yes <laughs> it's this this is what you get when it's just jared and jake that's when it's, this is what happens when it's the just jared and jake show <laughs> that's what this is perfect but um you know this that's not to say this couldn't be something else from the 90s that has its second life and its true life in streaming. That yeah. once people are able to find it on, you know, if it hits Netflix or where A24 mm-hmm. like sets up its uh, its next uh, ancillary rights. Yeah, I think I think this movie will definitely have a second life to it. I looked up, it only made $11 million, which is unfortunate. Now, yeah. I still think that that's more than what i think it was single digits in terms of budget so i don't think yeah no i you know and this is you know a24 and i don't chalk it up to a24 because they've had they had their biggest hit this year with mm-hmm. everything everywhere all at once and you can't say people aren't showing up for horror movies mm-hmm. because black phone 85 million dollars mm-hmm. kills it and yeah. and that's why it's 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 hard to gauge with these things i mean I want people to find this movie because none of this is to slander or anything. It's just trying to like, what's the context we're looking at this in? Mm-hmm. And did you have anything that you wanted to say that you didn't like about it without going yeah, into spoilers? Yeah, and that's just the thing too. I love the setup. I love the premise. Um, I was having a big problem with this movie there's, until the third act. There's one big thing that happens in this movie – that's not the twist that I was like, I don't like this. This is, this okay, is, I'm gonna be we'll get into, we'll get into that in spoilers. I think overall, I, I really, really like this movie. This is a movie that I know I'm going to go back to watching again um, because it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. I think to settle kind of the dated side of things, I think really the only dated things in it or like the big dated things are mainly like, they say a lot of like slang that's from here. Like they say, like they say that they're triggered, and they say like yeah. things like that that are. That yeah, but it's keep... in it's certainly in a knowing sense. Yes, um, that it's like I I don't know if they're trying like, to like I'm an at like they say they call each other ally and all these different <laughs> things that that you hear kind of just in the popular culture right now. Which I mean, who knows? Maybe that that will just be what's going forward. Right. So who's to say? But like. Just very of the now type of slang and vernacular. So, yeah, anything before we go into spoilers? Uh, you know, and I'll just say, you know, like, as far as, like, what this movie really does capture, for better or worse, and for me, while watching it, it was hewing towards worse, again, until that third act when I was – it re it recontextualized, it put a whole new lens on, like, the movie I just watched, or rather it confirmed what I was hoping. Mm-hmm. And it's to say, like, this movie is intense in so many ways. It starts – with a very intense shot, maybe like even provocative, of like two two characters kissing because they're in this like super intimate and you know when you're in a new relationship it's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
your early 20s, when you're young, you feel invincible. Everything is intense. You're intensely like focused um, on what's going on. Any drama feels intense, and you're intensely focused on yourself. Yeah. And you can't just say it's uh, it's gener it's uh, Gen Zers. It was millennials. It was Generation X. Mm -hmm. It's every generation it's every when you're generation. this young. You feel like mm -hmm. you're invincible, but everything is also about you. Your 30s, uh, you realize urgently that's not true, mm -hmm. uh, and you try to reverse course. And then as I approach 40s, I'm realizing I'm just going to be paying for this the rest of my life. <laughs> I think that's just a trajectory we all go on. This is that time in your life when, yes, you are probably more selfish than not and these characters are and i was having a real hard time with all these characters that are supposedly friends because my goodness when like the gloves come off and the bodies start hitting the floor it's like did you did you all even like each other in the first place i mean there's you could pick any two characters in this film and they've probably said they probably say something bad about each other at some point in the in the film uh nobody is safe mm. yeah you never think how are you all – how have you gotten to this point right. with your friendship, um, especially with some of the more, um, like, serious things that have happened within their relationships yeah. also? Um, but I think this is probably a good time just to go into spoilers. Indeed. So, yeah, let's uh, – we'll listen to that bumper, and then we'll get right into spoilers. Could it really be that simple? The secret lies with Charlotte. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Where are those keys, Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Silent breathe is people! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. And we're back with the spoiler section for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Now... I think we should get the big spoiler just out of the way right at the beginning. Would you like to as as far as the, who the killer is? Yeah. So who is the killer, Jared? All right. So it's the big who done it. Um, you know, let me set it up this way. I listened to an interview with the director Helena Rain, and she stated that when she makes a movie, she needs to have a question that she's answering, and. When she was looking to make bodies, 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 she had this question in her life is like, why can I not put my phone down? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting because, yeah, you know, we are. It's not a revelation. We're all glued to our phones for the most part. Any device, any screen. I think a better question is what happens when we don't put our phones down? Mm -hmm. And that is the twist here in that Pete Davidson's character, he's the first to be off. Mm -hmm. He's the first bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> And we discover uh, through use of his cell phone in a very, very black humorous scene where uh, B, the, our main character, Maria, uh, the actress Maria uh, Bakalova, she takes his phone over to his body, pulls open his eyelids to unlock his phone, revealing he was trying to basically do a TikTok video of opening a bottle with a sharp blade. Mm -hmm. Lee Pace's character did it early in the movie. Uh, there's a cutaway to Pete Davidson getting insanely jealous and mm -hmm. trying to write it off like that's not that big of a deal. You can easily imagine Pete Davidson saying something <laughs> like that. And so you watch him kill himself mm -hmm. for the sake of a TikTok video, for the sake of an audience and just 
you know, for whatever reason, we all put stuff out on the internet. It, yeah, I mean, ultimately, no one is the killer. But um, everybody is at the same everyone, time. Everyone, the, the thing is, is the, the paranoia ends up being the thing that sparks everything because um, Pete Davison kills himself accidentally. Um, the second character who dies, uh, that one is a retaliation one, but yeah, and like a self, I don't know if you could say self defense or de- trying to defend somebody else. That's Lee Pace's character. Yes, so, taking it to the back of the head. So that was the one that I didn't like. Oh, okay. Um, because so basically, the all of the characters find the body, and as I stated earlier, Lee Pace's character is the one that went to bed early. Mm. So they're like, where is he? Where is he? Like, he was the one that did it. He has to be the one that did it. He, like, probably has PTSD, or, like, trying to blame his his military background, his right. military background. he's a vet. Because he's a vet. And, like, we don't know him. You met him. <laughs> that was another great uh, Rachel Senate where she's like, we've known each other for a long time. <laughs> like- we've been together, like, three weeks or yep. something like that. That was really funny. Um, but they're basically just accusing him and he starts to get a little bit aggressive mainly because he's getting defensive. There, I was going to say there, there are, there are weapons or weapon pointed at him mm-hmm. or, you know, he is being surrounded. He is being surrounded. So Granted, he gets Lee a lot. Pace is a giant compared to these smaller figures. But. Yeah. And he, he starts to be like, okay, like yelling at them and kind of like trying to, like be more aggressive to try to like he he kind of elevates the situation to a certain extent but he's also backed into a corner and all of a sudden Maria Bakalova starts bashing him over the head with a weight so and he, I was thinking like what would make this character resort to this she seems like the one that's the most level-headed out of all of them and yeah. wouldn't be the one to jump to that extent of violence so quickly unless there was something that we didn't know about her sure which never really pays off did you feel it was like a lesser red herring of some sorts or like i understand that that they want to kind of make b's character be suspicious Mm. but at the same time like it didn't seem to fit what they had kind of portrayed because it's all these like very loud bombastic 20 something girls that are like all they care about is like themselves and all these things and b even though she gets acclimated to the rest of the group seems to be like very quiet and very reserved and so it just didn't seem like something that that they would make that character do now so as lee pace is getting struck on the back of the head it struck you as out of character yes um, which made me think, oh, there's something gonna that uh-huh. is gonna lead Not more with this off, character, right. and then it didn't really. Um, you just basically find out that she is the daughter of, uh, or she had had to take care of her her mother and had to drop out of school, and that's why she was being a little bit shady because she didn't want she was embarrassed <laughs> right. to tell her girlfriend that she didn't have a job, she was taking care, or she had to drop out of school and stuff like that. Which I mean is a good, it's a nice payoff, mm. but it didn't seem to explain right that scene entirely. That scene, yeah, I get that. Um, where all of the other characters kind of die in a accidental, like one character right. falls down the stairs after being given pills. Um, yes, it, by, it was, by another character. It was almost like um, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> yes, oh where it's gosh, just like so characters doing. 
things where they inadvertently kill oh, themselves, yeah. basically. Now it's not as over the top as that film, but but in a similar way. Um, but then ultimately when it when it ends, uh, it kind of reminded me of, did you ever see Assassination Nation? No, I did not. So that's a, another one dealing with like young people who are in this like hysterical state. And then you find out at the end that the cause of it was just like someone essentially trolling. And it's okay. like, like something so small and minute that could cause all of this widespread panic type yes. of thing. And yeah, that's, that's also like what this movie also captures is like how everybody feels, how tragic everybody feels their lives are in comparison or like what they're all having to deal with. Mm -hmm. Like they make the mundane monumental. In exactly. Sense. Well, when the you, when you're monumental, monumental, <laughs> love it. I'll, I'll, I'll have that figured out. By you the know next what? Episode. By the next episode, we'll, we'll, we'll see where you're at and we'll, and we'll see where it's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of these characters are like very rich, kind of yeah. entitled kids. And that was my problem too. It's like I don't like any of these characters necessarily. And you can tell how fake they're kind of being with yeah. each other. Cracks start to show kind of early on, especially I think with uh, – I can't think of the actress's name, but she plays Jordan. Mm -hmm. And you can tell like, yeah, there's a little bit of a rivalry there with her and B. For uh, for Sophie, Sophie's affection, affection yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like just kind of like the way they talk, you know, being on a podcast talking about people podcasting in uh, in movies and such. You're like, oh, you're our listener. Like uh, uh, Rachel Sennett's character Alice, she has a podcast, and they're like kind of like patting her on the back for and everything. Then it's revealed later on, like no, uh, like we we hate listening. We li we hate because isn't it called like. Hanging with your Hang best friend. With your smartest and funniest friend or yes. something like that. And the Jordan character, like, either rolls her eyes or scoffs every single time she says yeah, something about it. she can't help it, it. either. She she can't, like, you just, just rolled your eyes. And and <laughs> the thing is, is that, that Rachel sent Alice, by the way, is her mm. name, is maybe the most sympathetic character. Yeah, she's kind of been wronged in, in some senses, like, the, with her boyfriend's death. and the, the And when she talks poorly about people it's mainly facilitated by someone else yeah. so it's usually like someone will be like people don't like that you do this or something like that and rachel and alice will be like yep and she'll like <laughs> shake her head or something like that and really the only time she really yells at someone is when she's talking to jordan and calling her out on like you think that you're this like come back store like you've risen from the ashes or whatever and it's like no you're also from privilege just like the rest of us yeah type of situation um but yeah i mean that that's pretty much the the spoilers of it uh everyone except for um sophie sophie and and b and i think the ultimate red herring in this is a character named max mm -hmm. um you see and discover early on pete davidson has been struck in the face black eye from another character who's no longer there his name is max words were said feelings revealed mm -hmm. he stormed off so as the bodies bodies body starts stacking 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 up uh the question is where's max did max come back and do this and, and you, he basically just walks up and is like, hey, what happened? And, and B is just like, hey, I got phone like, service. Or she's been out. You know, it's a, there's a hurricane going on, mm -hmm. and she's been, like, trying to, you know, text with her mom and everything. And 
Yeah, that's kind of like the, the mic drop at the end of the movie. She got service back on her phone. And again, tying it back into the phone. Like, the phones are glued to these people's hands essentially throughout the whole movie. And because, like, they lose power. Mm -hmm. So they're using, you know, their flashlights, their screens exactly. to bright things up. Which is also really cool looking. Like, this movie just, it looks great. It's got a good style about yeah. it. Um, again, Rachel Sennett, she stands out because her character Alice has glow like a glow stick necklace. Yes, and that's just that's a great visual. Yeah, I mean the the way that the, we haven't we've been talking more story element, but there's a lot of really creative uh, filmmaking in this, just in the way things are shot, yes. the use of color because most of it is is dark. Mm -hmm. So the use of like yeah these neon lights and and the phones Phone and lights. all the different things. Jordan kind of uh, yeah she she comes off as kind of you know. Uh, pretty tough. So she like has a has a headlamp on mm -hmm. that just like whips out of nowhere. And it's just it's it's creative. It, yeah. It's finding the the elements that you can use that are both good story wise, but also make your filmmaking so much more interesting than yeah. just like oh we're gonna it's it's supposed to be dark, but everything is shot with studio lighting or something like that. Um, but yeah, th there was one other story element thing that I thought might be a twist at the end but i was it's very convoluted um so earlier in the film uh lee pace's character is the one that dies in bodies 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 mm. the game which is basically a character oh, dies I mean, yeah, I've, I've noted this too um a, a, one of the people die and then you have to find out you're basically accusing everyone of who is the murderer and they can't wake lee pace up and they're like you kind of think like oh is this where the dead body yeah, comes in starting and no, what happens is Pete Davidson walks up to him. This always works. Because it always works, and he, he sack-taps him. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, wouldn't it be a really funny reveal if at the very end of the movie, Pete Davidson's character was still alive, yep. and one of the characters <laughs> just sack-tapped him, and he like woke up and was like, hey, what happened, or something like that. I mean, that is so true. I mean, you know. I, if he I, wasn't so bloody, yeah. then that would have been a different story. But just but. as far as the reaction, you can't not react to that happen happening to you. Um, uh, it's like it's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, <laughs> yes. A crotch-jerk reaction for, <laughs> for anybody, you know. It's a lot of crotch related references between this yeah, and jackass and for, yeah. absolutely right. it's fine there's another thing like it's the jake and jared <laughs> show <laughs> well, it's keep it on the storyline too like there there are things in the script that really kind of call attention to the uh the plot as it's moving forward and sometimes that's a little too on the nose but i enjoyed it here like uh sophie and b's character show up and not everybody's thrilled to really see them and davidson's character i think it's him it states like you guys show up one hour before the storm hits. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit of foreshadowing, like physical storm, uh, literal, uh, figurative storm as well, as far as like once uh, things start getting a little too real for the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the moment when they're when multiple people have died, and the women are trying to think like through like what's happening here, who's doing this, and why mm -hmm. are they doing it. And for a moment, they're like, the killer's following a pattern, just like in the game. Just like in the game. But they're like, no. No, this uh, character Greg died, died first, first. not yeah. Pete Davidson's character. So I, I really like that they like called attention because yeah, in a lesser movie, a mishandled movie, that would be the case. Or like he's following just like we were playing it, mm -hmm. uh, playing the game itself. Mm -hmm. So I love that they called attention to it and immediately dismiss it. 
because that's not how it's happening. Yeah. I think that happens in Stay Alive, actually. Wow. Um, shout yeah, out. I just don't know movie. how many more times we can squeeze a Stay Alive reference in how here. How many but... more times can we talk about Frankie Muniz before the end of the episode? <laughs> no. Um, but I think that that's kind of the gen- all of the spoilers that I wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, overall, I think this movie is really good. Um, yeah, when it was revealed that Pete Davidson killed himself and they all basically killed each other for nothing. For nothing that's yeah. that's that's when it like came home for me. They landed the the plane for like, yeah, these characters that are kind of miserable mm-hmm. and not like miserable like in mood just to each other and yeah. to life. That I was like, okay, I'm on board. I see what you're doing here. Yeah, and and this willing is great. to turn on each other. Pretty yeah. much at an instant. So. Um, and I also just really like the framing device of this game. This this, and if anybody has watched or is still watching second season of Only Murders in the Building, there's an episode in there where Martin Short's character uh, plays a similar similar game called Son of Sam, and it's okay. a framing device for the for an episode. As somebody who loves games, board games, and party games. I come from Mafia and Werewolf. They're all variations for each other. So the fact that, you know, this is getting put in the mainstream in such a way, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know where this is going to be on. I bet you can rent it on Amazon here probably Should be coming soon. soon to a screen near you. Yeah. Uh, a screen in your hands. <laughs> Any uh, – I. Any final thoughts about bodies, bodies, bodies? Uh, I'm just or? looking. I'm looking over my notes here. I don't. Uh, no, no. I think, I think we kind of. I think we covered all. pretty much anything or oh, everything. And yes. I was just like going back to the whole like, is this a Generation Z scream? You know, scream uh, in ad nauseum was you know heralded as reinventing the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do will give this movie credit in a sense of like it does reinvent the slasher genre in so much so that there is no slasher, there is mm-hmm. no ghost face because no uh, yeah. yeah, there's no single killer. They're all kind of the killers inadvertently without knowing it. Yeah, exactly. So I give uh, a lot of credit to the movie for just what it set out to do and how it pulled it off. Exactly. Well, that's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Check it out if you get an opportunity. Um, as we talked earlier, it sounds like Halloween Ends is probably going to be our next <laughs> well, episode. You know what? Off uh, off air, we'll see what Eric has to say about we'll that. See. We'll see. We'll be in the chat, and we'll see what, what we decide. But uh, we'll tentatively say Halloween sure. Ends. Hopefully something Halloweeny related. I can I can bl- imagine, given our crew, that it's probably yeah. going to be something Halloween related. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, join us next time. Uh, but until then, we'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding. <laughs>